people of the interwebs. It's me, Brandon Noel. Uh, I have to apologize for getting this episode out a couple of days late. It's been really crazy. Um, blame the federal government. I had jury duty, and because of my work schedule and jury schedule, I was going off of four hours of sleep for a day, and uh, it just, yeah, it, I felt really bad about not getting this up on the first of the month, but uh, it, it's been a crazy couple of days. Uh, with that said, um, this episode of the Bookies Podcast is brought to you by Destiny Comics Publishing. Go to our website, destinycomics.com. We're awesome. There's some really cool comics there, some prints. You know, just, just yeah. You can also get the, the podcast there, too, uh, if you just want to listen to them straight from us versus going through um, iTunes or uh, another podcast. Uh, podcast service like uh, Stitcher, which we're on. Uh, love you, uh, Stitcher. Um, and uh, yeah, this episode is A Wrinkle in Time. Really good book. Really enjoyed reading this one. Really enjoyed this discussion. Uh, we record a couple of months in advance. So since uh, we've recorded this episode Disney has announced there's a movie in development I forget the director who's attached but it is a pretty prominent female director I remember reading that I should have pulled that up and looked that up before I started recording but oh well uh, we don't talk about the movie as we didn't know there would be a movie um, but you know this is a, a, a great book it it, it was a fun read, and uh, I hope you enjoy our discussion of uh, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, Brandon, last part. All right. Phones on silent. Oh, yeah, thank you for reminding Oh, me. yes, yes. Phones. Oh, that, that would have been interesting. Otherwise, we're going to have the TARDIS and Mario and just... <laughs> Zelda. Zelda. Tetris. <laughs> Hearing bird whistle. General nerddom is going to be interfering. Monty Python. Mr. Tracer. Yeah, no, mine was Mario, so he already oh. called mine. <laughs> he called it. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm Brandon Noel, uh, publisher, uh, Destiny Comics. I'm Bonnie Stallard, uh, writer and editor of 8-Bit Pulp. I'm Justin Stallard. I'm Bonnie's husband. Yes, he is. <laughs> that, that's an interesting job title. Yes, it is. Um, and really good maker of stew. Yes, really good maker of stew. Yes, yes. I'm Wayne Abraham. I'm illustrator for Eat the Pulp. Uh, I've also been known to do some writing and some editing. Mm-hmm. I love the way you talk, man. I'm Wayne Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> and right. this is podcast news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my name is Luis Lopez. I'm a writer with 8-Bit Pulp, and I um, also write comic books for Destiny Comics here and there. <laughs> but not over there. Not over there. That, that's some other guy. <laughs> and I'm Maylene Noel, and I am an editor slash story writer slash photographer for 8-Bit Pulp. All right, and uh, this month we have read A Wrinkle in Time. 
By Madeline Langle, is that her name? Madeline Langle. Madeline Langle. Langle. It's like a little Langle is a slight pause. Langle. 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 I recommended this book based off of recommendations from a friend of mine at work. And uh, yeah, it's it's different. Um, Good different. Um, I uh, got halfway through about chapter five when Mrs. What's It turns into a Pegasus. Alien Pegasus with rainbow wings, rainbow and, and I just put it down it. for a moment because I was like, "Okay, that just happened." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was at work, and he goes, "Did she just turn into a Pegasus? Did that just really happen?" Sort of, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, yeah. Actually, but that's as close as you can kind yeah. of yeah, call it. That, that that just happened. Okay, okay, centaur with yeah, me. It was like a centaur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so centaur. let's start with our. Did we like it? Yeah. Our general reactions. Um, basically, yeah, I liked it. I wish I had read this as a kid. I recently heard on another podcast that I, I wish I, I should have looked up the quote, but the golden age of science fiction is ten years old. You know, like I, I, I wish I had, I had this as a kid. Um, as in, like it's from the previous. 10 years? Or no, like, no. I mean, when you're 10, you're years, 10 old. years old. Oh. That's considered the best time to read science fiction. I gotcha. Fiction. Okay. Yeah. That's when your imagination is just the, the it's most... It's okay. Yeah, it took me yeah. off. I had to think about that one. The yeah. quote <laughs> is misleading because, like, the golden age is when you're 10. No, like, <laughs> you know. That's actually about when this book was read to me, so... Okay, yeah, yeah so you were familiar with it as a kid. Like, I, yeah. I didn't have that, so I came at this very fresh as an adult. And I mean, I barely remember it, but I... I I went into this knowing, oh, I like this book I read before. <laughs> same, same with me. I remembered very little, but I had the, the wonderful voice you were com- yeah. commenting on. <laughs> That's my dad. <laughs> he read it to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> one of, James Earl Jones. One of, many, <laughs> one of many books read to me as yeah. a child. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was. We'll, we'll get to the negatives later, but it was just really... You know, it, it was different. I hadn't read anything like this before. Very different. I yeah. had I had trouble wrapping my my mind around some of the stuff in there. I, I appreciated it though. They don't tone <clears throat> down the science. Right, it's know. a child yeah, book, and there's yeah. words in here that you're like, huh? like tesseract. Yeah. yeah. Well, like we you know, some a, people might think of that as a Marvel thing yeah. nowadays, but well, that's why I was kind of okay recommending because. It, I mentioned in the previous episode the what they called the Tesseract in the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. In the comics is were referred to as the Cosmic Cube. So it, it actually has a completely different function in the comics. Right. But the Cosmic Cube in the movies, which they call the Tesseract, acts very much like it does yeah, in this like book. Transportation device. Yeah, yeah like we're going to test it. Yeah, we're going to go from this part of space to that part of space. Yeah, which means Red Skull is somewhere out there in the cosmos. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, Future spoilers. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the thing we also think of, this book was, it was a Newbery Medal winner in 1963. This book is, you know, a lot older than our science fiction today. So you have some words, like some of, like the golly gee whiz kind of things, okay? There's some mm. things that they say, the kids say that you're like... Wow, that is really not up to speed. But, um, <laughs> At one point, Calvin says to Charles, "Old sport." 
And if they're not in England, this is in America, but you picture England because like, yeah, it, it took me right to like um <laughs> Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. Yeah. I was like, this little kid's got a little white coat and like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he's just you know, right. get the olive right yeah. when you put his mouth. Not old sport. Come on, old sport. But, so, yeah, uh, well, yeah, but time, at the same time it's not well, yes, some of the words are outdated or some of but you know, and there's like none of today's technology as far as cell phones and things like that. And actually, when they get to that one planet and they're talking about these rooms full of computers, I'm like, oh yeah, back then computers did take up a whole room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Warehouse. yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, that was another planet. So, you know, yeah. I'm sure today's children would be picturing much more modern looking computers filling that space yeah. than the kids who read yeah. this back but they, in the day. They do and yet they're say, still like, punch cards and they That's true. They do say some of those things. Ribbon tape. Ribbon tape. I was like, oh my God. But, but it, you know, it was written in the early sixties and yet some of the ideas like tessering and things like that, some of those things are timeless. Yeah. And so it's it's not it's not out to, it's not out of date. It's not something that, you know, doesn't apply. I think you know, my niece actually, when she saw the books, because I bought the whole box set, figured why not? It wasn't that much more than buying just one. And she's like, "Oh, Oringle and Time." I saw that movie, you know, which I haven't seen the movie, so I don't even know how good the movie is compared to the book. I know there is a movie. She saw it. I just found she, out today. Yeah. She will be 11 on Tuesday, so I'm thinking, you know, and I told her I said, "Well, I'm going to be reading it right now, but do you want to read them?" Yeah, you know. So I have to loan these to her to have her read and get that. That well, she's only 10 for a couple days, but near the age of the golden ages yeah, you were talking, get her opinion on it. But, um, yeah. <laughs> get your now because she won't appreciate in three days. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot, of the, a lot of the ideas behind the kind of things in those books, like the room computers, they're universal. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we know that a computer is, you know, like, advanced. It's this, it's this symbol of, like, intelligence and... and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, computer advancement and all that. Um, even like in the movie Alien, the first one, the the highly advanced spaceship computer is like a black and green screen. Like nobody uses that, but we right. just accepted it as this really crazy advanced thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it, it likes everybody. Yeah, likes, I yes. liked it. I liked it. You want? We'll go around and, and say our, our favorite scene. Um, like for me. Again, I got to go back to the uh, the the moment when the uh, Mrs. What's it transforms into a, a centaur Pegasus thing, because at that moment, again, having no pre knowledge of the material, I'm sitting here thinking this is a very nice coming of age story. Girl has her own doubts. You have a a, a young boy on the basketball team who he's on the basketball team, but he even says only because he's tall. Like, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't care about basketball. Um, so you have these young kids. They have their their personal doubts. They think, okay, this is a great lesson for kids. This is a great story. And then, boom, we get aliens on an alien world. <laughs> and I really wasn't expecting that. Like, I had to go back. Like, okay, did I... Did, did I hear did that? I miss right? something somewhere? Did, did that happen? That happened. Yeah, okay. This is the new status. We're moving forward. You know, because it, it is com- it feels like a complete tonal shift the second they they test her for the first time. Um, it is. It is. Just left home. They're mm-hmm. on an alien planet. It's a new experience for them and for the reader. 
I will say this. Unlike other books in the same kind of kids genre, well, like there's a whole uh, trope of kids who go to an alternate world. Wizard of Oz, uh, Wonderland, Narnia. Slumberland, Narnia. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole slew. At no point does it get wacky for the sake of wacky. It's true. You know, like it, it, it was very much grounded in its own rules. Mm-hmm. So. so, all right, favorite spot. You know, I have to say, um, there is a spot that I really enjoyed towards the beginning when they're first going to the house that Mrs. What's It and Mrs. Witch are. And this is who are, are are staying at, and and it's supposed to be this haunted house. So they have absconded with all these sheets to make ghosts <laughs> because they want to keep alive the idea that it's a haunted house that they're staying in. And if anybody gets suspicious, they just want to think it's being haunted. And I thought it was very humorous. Um, but yeah, you know, and I can uh, appreciate that. You know, she's. Freshman, I think, in high school. So she's, you know, she's not really a kid anymore, but she's not a grown up. It's that teen age and awkwardness and getting in fights because she's defending her little brother and trying to figure out who she is. And and I think she has a better grasp on herself by the end of the book. And I like that. Of course, I went ahead and read the next book too, which I think I liked even more than this one. But (laughs) we're not talking about that one yet. This one does have some weaknesses. It does. Does. All right, so favorite parts. Continue. Um, I like the part in the kitchen. That first that first little scene where she couldn't sleep and she comes down. <coughs> and uh, there's her genius little brother uh, eating jam and bread and had already got something out. So, oh, yeah, uh, oh, cocoa. He got the milk he, warming. He got the milk warming because he, he knew she would want a cup of cocoa. And uh, then they, the mom comes down, and they have this whole this this little moment. The, the moment, party in the kitchen. Yeah. The <laughs> moment's very cute, and she keeps saying, it, "Not during a hurricane." Like very melodramatic kid. At no point are we ever given with hurricane facts. Like it's right. just <laughs> wind is blowing. It's a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the book. Here you go. He's going to. Uh, yes. Uh, I like this book very much. As has been mentioned, it is a Newbery Award winner. I have found you can never go wrong with a Newbery Award winner. Uh, this, this is, you know, for written for those kids that are, you know, like grades six through eight or nine. It's the, it's the medal that's given out every year for what they feel is the the top young adult reader, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so if if uh, I, I will often go to the library and pick up some new Newbery Award winners that I haven't read just to check them out because they're always good. What nobody has mentioned up to this point that I love to death is the opening sentence. It was a dark and stormy <laughs> night. <laughs> is the opening sentence of the book. My grandfather uh, homeschooled me for a year and, and one of the books he was teaching me out of uh, on proper composition of a story, that was a line that it says you should never use to start a story. 
And they use that line, it was a dark and stormy night, to describe because it was a dark and stormy night. And uh, Which I love because everyone, like, not everyone, but so many people parody that, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're going to be a writer, you at least think about using it at least once or yeah. twice in oh, your man. stories. You may not actually ever use it. You may not actually ever start a story with, it was a dark and stormy night. But, but you even think it in your brain. You think it in your brain, or a practice story that you do that mm-hmm. never actually gets published will begin. It was a dark, and I know I've done that so many <laughs> times just because I think it'd be hilarious to actually start it. Off like and here that. someone did, and she got an award. So you know, yeah. what are you gonna right. do? Yeah. Goodbye. So you can't really argue with a Newberry uh, award no. winner, you know. I'll, I'll have to double check, but I believe um, Mouse Guard was a comic book that actually got the Newberry Award. I'll have to go back. I think and that's about right. Yeah. yeah, Mouse Guard. Yeah, <coughs> but very, you know, like they they take that kind of stuff very serious. So, but I I enjoyed the book. Enjoyed the book the first time I read it, and this is this was probably my fifth or sixth reading of the book. Since that golden age when I was ten, <laughs> <laughs> not ten years ago. Ten. ten yes. <laughs> I'm 60 now, so that was a year or two back. <laughs> I still enjoyed it. It and holds up. It does. It does hold mm-hmm. up after all all of these years, and uh, it's what I like is you have you have the build up. You you get acquainted with the children. You get acquainted with Mrs. Who, Mrs. Watson, Mrs. Witch, and that takes up almost half of the book. Yeah, right, right there at that point, and you know that the children's father is missing. The mom's putting up a strong front. Townspeople are making snide remarks, and the kids are having trouble dealing with it. And you know that they're they're going on a journey of some sort, and then all of a sudden, Mrs. Who, Witch, and Watson go, "All right, dears, it's time." They're another planet, and they're off to rescue their father. There's no dilly dallying. There really no, you know, and and the rest of the book is kind of and, and it gets up to the point to do the the rescue, you know, and, and and they aren't sure what's going on, and suddenly, boom, there they are, and they're where he is, and they manage to rescue him. Yeah. And and then that's a trippy scene too really. it, is. Yeah, it is we'll talk about that later <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, then you have um, it's it's trippy now. you have to make <laughs> an escape <laughs> and then they have to have this recovery time because dad is new to tessering and doesn't have it down yet and then suddenly it's like oh we gotta go back and rescue little brother mm-hmm. and you only got that much of the book left, you know. I was thinking too. I'm like, I'm getting like, oh no, this is not going to end well. <laughs> it's going to be you a know? tragedy. <laughs> right. All at the same die. time, you yeah. get to the point where you think this is the climax. This is the culmination. They're rescuing their dad, and then you're like, but it's not resolved. The brother, the bad guy, really creepy bad guy. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then go back and the confrontation, and she realizes the weapon she has mm-hmm. to rescue her brother, and as soon as She's got him back, boom, and they're home, and it's the end of the book. Yeah, and it's it's like you know, it's it wasn't slow at the beginning. It's just it spends the whole half of the book 
getting acquainted with everybody. Long and then, exposition, yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, we're done. It's I, I enjoyed that yeah. first half of the book. I was, I didn't think they were ever going to leave the planet. Like, I didn't know they were leaving the planet. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to leave yeah. the planet. It doesn't read like that kind of book. No. So did you have a favorite part? Well, the... Like specifically? Or just the whole thing? I, I enjoyed the whole book. I enjoyed the food scenes because I'm a foodie. Yeah. I, I just know there was a specific scene that you liked more than the other. Well, I think he, the Dark and Stormy Night. The Dark and Stormy Night, oh, the, the way the book point. starts. There, there's another one that I like at some point where Mrs. Who, What's It, and Which have are leaving. Or else they're reappearing. I don't remember, but it's Mrs. It's Mrs. Which and she quotes the line from Macbeth of mm-hmm. you know under what where sh- the where the says where shall we meet again you know and and uh, that line that the witches have I don't remember the whole quote I just there's remember, a lot of Shakespeare in this. there there was a lot of Shakespeare mm-hmm. in there there were a lot of biblical quotes oh, uncredited mm-hmm. in yeah. there mm-hmm. um, and there were a lot of other quotes guys I like I like the fact that Mrs. Um, was it Mrs. Who or Mrs. Watson that was always quoting? No, One of the W's. Mrs. Watson. No, no, Mrs. Watson is the most normal. Okay, is Mrs. And Who. And Mrs. Who Mrs. is Who. the one who is barely there. It's Mrs. Witch. No, Mrs. 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 Witch is barely no, there. Mrs. Witch is okay, then so Mrs. Who. Mrs. Who is, Mrs. Who is the Who one is the who's one always quoting quotes. Mrs. Who is the quoter. Okay, yes. And a lot of times the quotes are, are in another language. And then she translates. But she always <laughs> translates the quote if it's in another language. Which she also credits the language, which I felt kind of helpful. Yes. yes. <laughs> now, you guys had the auditory book. Did they say it in another the other yeah. language? They said it in another language. The reader not only said it in another language, changed voices for the characters. Oh, nice. wow. So, like, we had this whole, pr- you know... Like, yeah, yeah, like a performance. We right? had this performance, <laughs> which was great. I, I started out reading it out loud for Justin and I both, and then I ended up finishing it on my own, and then he was reading most of it, and then today he was cooking the stew, because we had to have stew, it's in the book, we, we like to eat before we do our podcast, and we like to pick food yeah. in the book, but he was making the stew, and I was finishing the book for him, but... It, it, some of those languages, like one of them, I'm like, I don't even know what language it is. Latin, because this, yeah. No, there was something that was like in like Aramaic or something, and so the letters weren't. Well, they had even one, and like, it was Greek. They, 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 and they had it Greek in the Greek letters. alphabet. Yeah, so. I'm like, these aren't even like regular letters. I don't know how to say that. And this is what it translates as. You know, like. But it's why I was glad I had someone reading it to me because otherwise I'm like I have no idea. I'm looking at the book like what is this? I got to the point with some of them where I'm like I just skipped to the translation because I just looked at it and said I can't read this out loud. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, it's Klingon. I don't know. I can't say it. It's Greek to me. Louis, your favorite scene? I liked when they're first talking about the the fighters that are like fighting against like this you know great powerful darkness, and they mention like Shakespeare and like Jesus and all these like philosophers and great thinkers, and it introduces the idea that you can fight you know with words with ideas. Those are very powerful things, and I just I loved that. In terms of a kids' book, you know, right? A lot of kids' books introduce like 
big, you know, muscly people, and the, the, the idea of power is all physical, but it was very much in the mind here, and I thought that was just really cool. Yeah. Very much. If this was written today, that third act when she goes back, she would have, like, drove in a truck through the building, and <laughs> right. you know, ramboed her way in. Yeah, yeah, it would have been the Expendables. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I... I that kind of had a weird place. That was kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, it's kind of funny because everyone has mentioned all these great scenes, all the great... But I think my favorite is probably one of the most normal scenes in the entire... Like, as far as things that would actually happen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, it's a scene in the beginning. You guys were talking about... When we were talking about the uh, have eating in the kitchen with her little brother and um, her mom. And just that whole scene when her mom's comforting her, she's like, I'm so ugly and I'm so stupid. And, you know, basically, you know, disparaging herself. And her mom was like, you know, you're not ugly. You're You're not any of these horrible things you're, you know, you're calling yourself. And I think the reason why I like that scene so much is because any... You know, most people, but especially women, when they hit, you know, that age, the teen age, and, you know, everyone from, you know, Angelina Jolie to me (laughs) has had that moment of, you know, I'm ugly, (laughs) I am not as smart as the rest of the people I know, you know, you know, everyone's had that moment of, I'm not as good as the rest of the world. I'm not as good as the people, my peers, or, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like, you know, I, I think that kind of hit me, you know, as a female reading. And like, I've had that moment. I've had that moment where I'm crying because I don't think I'm as beautiful as all these other women, or I'm not as good, you know. And her mom's like, don't you dare ever call yourself ugly. Don't you, you know, mm-hmm. don't you ever think of yourself in that way. Because it's, like, I think the most natural thing for most people to be feeling, especially at that age. You know, that's the age where you're, like, trying to figure out who you are as a person, as a human. And you have all these emotions going on inside you. And it, it really is an amazing thing when you can have someone who's there who says, look, you are not as bad as you think you are. You're not as... You're none of this stuff. And I, I, that's why I love that moment between the mom and the daughter. It's like, so, such a human element, I think, it gives mm-hmm. to the story. Like, the rest of it is this great story, and it's great adventure that they go on to save their dad, and it's really cool. But I think that's what made it for me was the human element of it, the, the one scene that I think everyone can relate to at some point or another in their life. Even if they only feel that for, like, 24 hours, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or if they've ever felt it for longer, you know, everyone has felt that, you know. Yeah, and, you know, there's a moment which I, I loved just before she tessers with Mrs. Witch to go get her brother. Calvin kisses her. Mm-hmm. You know, she has her first kiss for her, yeah. you know, from a boy who, you know, not only is he just any boy, he's on the basketball team, he's popular. <laughs> You know, I was like, it's, it, that's a touchdown moment for this little yeah, girl. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and not only is he on all that, but he's intelligent. Yes. yes yeah. he's, he's not just a dumb jock. He's right. Yeah, he, he, he's, smart. A, he's, he's an intelligent jock. Which and doesn't normally go hand in hand. No, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> but that. that's why I kind of, because I hadn't read this either. This was my first time reading this book. I kind of wish I had had it at age 10, you know. 
the golden age, you know, <laughs> so that you know I could have been kind of going through those emotions with that character. Oh, it would have been perfect. It would have been perfect, like as a young woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Brandon, continue to express the feminine experience. <laughs> Your wife's glaring at you. You're going to make fun of me, and we will discuss it later. <laughs> oh. Hey, we have a couch, just so you know. <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, we don't. Never mind. She is my best friend. Sorry, that was me, dude. The couch is gone. gone. <laughs> There's a couch here. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I felt like, like, you know, that... That's really great. To, a, a good message to give to a young girl. Mm-hmm. Is, this book has a lot of that. Oh, you can't make up with me now. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so weaknesses or you know faults in the book. I have two little complaints. Um, one is the ending is fairly anticlimactic. Very abrupt. Very abrupt. But really happy. Very happy. Very happy. But like even, you know, like there's a subplot of the mother. You know, when Mm -hmm. they get to see their mother writing a letter to their dad, they don't actually have any lines. When they they run, they hug, they kiss, Mm -hmm. they don't actually say anything to each other. Yeah. felt I needed... Something more. You you don't have to go into the explanation because we know they're going to sit down and have a dinner, and he's going to explain where he's been for the last nine months. Mm -hmm. But an I love you, I think, is (laughs) an appropriate, you know... You know, normally that'd be like one of the first things out of their mouth, like, where have you been? I love you. (laughs) Reading it as an adult, or or the expectation from that golden age as a 10 year old (laughs) as a golden age as a 10 year old I was focused on the kids and you know the parents were you know and okay they're together they're hugging it's fine that's a a fair point that is that That is is a fair point point. yeah they they kissed and there was a jumble of arms and legs there was this big group hug yeah Yeah. mommy and daddy are okay and then topped off by the dog knocking almost everybody over you know almost knocking everybody over which was great so for the age group it's written at that's it perfect. was an awesome ending. Yeah. That, that's fair. Everything's that's back fair. to normal. We can watch cartoons. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I, that's fair. I think there's, there is some of that. That might be me as a, an adult reader. Um, the other thing is, again, this is probably me as an adult reader. Mrs. What's-It, Mrs. Who, uh, and Mrs. Witch, I felt they were too cryptic for their own good. If they had just sat the kids down and said, hey, look, you're going to be facing X, Y, and Z, Maybe they wouldn't have, in the middle of the final confrontation, questioned Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Whovitz, and Mrs. Witch's uh, loyalties. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like if they'd been more straight up with the kids, like their their mysterious nature worked against them in the overall plot. But it made for an interesting conflict with the kids. They Yes, they've just met them and they like them, but can we trust these strange people? But then they find their father, and then, you know, and and ultimately, the very last, the real climax, not the climax we think is going to be the climax, but the real one, <laughs> a few chapters later, yeah. <laughs> when she goes to save the brother, you know, there is that, um, that became an important moment because they did come back and they did help her and, and they helped her. I, I felt like, I don't know, I think that it, it, 
gave the children more opportunity to learn and grow because they weren't spoon-fed everything. They were given just enough, just enough so that they could figure it out on their own and grow. If you're given everything, take acting, for example. If your director gets up there and says, this is exactly how I want you to do it, it doesn't give you a chance to do it yourself, then you don't grow as much as an actor. You're just mimicking what the director wants you to do. However, if the director says, let's give it a few tries, feel it out, and you get to express yourself a little bit and find the character yourself, you're, you're more in tune with the character, and you've grown more as an actor because of it. I don't know, I'm just taking to something that I relate to. Not everybody relates to that, but I've directed Brandon in a show before, so that <laughs> works for that. So I don't know. I think that they, they gave them a lot of information, and yes, it was cryptic, and they didn't always get it, but by the end, they figured it out. And maybe that was the rules. They couldn't tell them too much, you know? They were just there to kind of guide them. I, I don't know. I don't know. Those, those are my problems. But, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I really had any problems with the story, although there are moments where where things are faster and then things are slower and then, you know, it, which is, it's okay. Um, but like you said, every now and then it's like, whoa, and now everything's different and now we've just changed, which can be abrupt. And yet, if you're talking, especially from a kid's point of view, you know, kids' minds shift a lot. So that probably yeah. works really well. I did have the advantage of having this read to me when I was at the right age for it. And I was terrified, absolutely terrified by it. This giant brain that can take you over and control you. And, and my memory wasn't exactly correct of the scene because in my brain it, it combined both of those climactic scenes into one in my memory because it had been, you know, mm. 20 years since I read this. Yeah. Um, or had it read to me also. You know, it's a difference when you read something yourself or have it read to you, even though I'm an auditory learner, so for me having it read to me is excellent. But... Um, you know, so in my brain, it was just one scene confronting the brain, it, this giant pulsing brain thing. And, you know, as they're trying to say things so that there's not a pattern, not a rhythm, so it can't take over. And, and I, I, was, I was absolutely terrified as a child. That just freaked me the heck out. Okay, like, like even my my heartbeat. I'm like, okay, is there a pattern to this? I don't, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, can I stay normal? Is my heart beating in the wrong pattern? I don't want to be sucked in by this evil monster, you know. So I thought that, and and who wants to see an actual brain? Like, okay, you know, oh, yeah. like like, and it's giant, and it's doesn't look right. It's there, this, there, there was another it's thing. It's creepy. It's the, a scary, awful thing. The, there was another thing <laughs> because at one point when she's looking at the brain, she says, we have a brain in a jar at school that, you know, the uh-huh. seniors... Have, I sat there because at some, at some points they're quoting Latin. Uh-huh. She jumps into the periodic table. Now she's right. a freshman in high school. Right. I'm sitting there. How much better was their education? Right. right. They have a brain in a jar at school, and it doesn't look this gross. So, okay, a there's brain. a problem with this I never brain. had, like, a skeleton. Right. I never dissected anything except, like, a flower. Really? I dissected a frog and a cheap eyeball. That see, was awesome. I never, I never dissected anything either. Really? Oh. oh. I love dissection. But anyway, I don't like formaldehyde, but that's beside the point. But... Which but, I imagine I'm kind of glad I never had to dissect anything. But I, I, and I don't know. I think it may be even from having this read to me as a kid and feeling so intense by it, I the sound of the heartbeat, because it has that rhythm, freaks me out. That's always been my my like least favorite part of the 
Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland when the bride's heart's beating. Oh, I have to plug my ears because it freaks me out. That sound freaks me out because it's yeah. I'm just like don't do that. Stop it, Brandon. <laughs> like, but I, you know, and and I think it's You'll because <laughs> I think it's because you See, know you uh, could never you be know. like a cardiac doctor. Right? Yeah, no, <laughs> not so much. Um, I'll, well, I, it's different. Like when you hear like you know go with my sister to hear the ultrasound, you know, when she was pregnant. That's different, but. In this kind, when it's meant to be scary, it really scares me. Yeah. I, I, I'm totally scared by it. So I wasn't as frightened, obviously, as an adult reading this book, but I remember the first time being completely terrified, um, which is excellent because because it isn't this giant monster running around killing people and tearing things up. It's darkness and this evil brain that can take you over. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more subtle than Dracula. No. Okay? Yeah, or, that's true. Yeah. You know, it really is. And it it's scary because it attacks you in your mind, mm-hmm. which kids have big imagination. I've always had a huge imagination. So that, to me, is a lot more terrifying than a vampire coming to suck my blood. No, I know? wanted to bring this up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, when they get to the first planet, the or the second planet, the... Mm-hmm. the Kazmazots. Kazmazots. Where it is. This was written in 1962. Did anyone else see that as a stab at communism? Maybe maybe a little bit. Maybe with, a little. With, you know, trying to control everybody and having to do exactly what they're supposed to do. But I, I think it wasn't necessarily that. Oh, she's commenting on some big things. <laughs> right, else, right. It, 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 you know, it felt to me like a... Maybe a little bit. A little mm-hmm. bit of a, a, a stab at communism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could have been. Mm-hmm. Alright, uh, Justin. Um. Hey there, people of the interweb. This is uh, future Brandon interrupting the podcast uh, with a brief little announcement. Um, first and foremost, if you go to destinycomics.com, uh, there are these nifty little Amazon links all over the place. Uh, you click on those links, it takes you to amazon.com, where you could purchase several of our books. Uh, but if you want to purchase anything else, that's that's quite all right. What that does is that allows Amazon to know that you, a proud listener of the Bookies podcast, are also interested in buying really cool stuff. It doesn't affect the price for you, and what it does is Amazon will kick us a percentage of your purchase as a thank you for allowing that window to happen. A symbiotic relationship as it were um, so I just want to let you know that those Amazon links are open they're active and waiting for you to buy really cool stuff um, with that said also normally at this point in the podcast we give a secret code um, allowing you to get a discount at our website we're not doing that this month this month we thought we'd change things up a little bit if you repost this podcast on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, Tumblr, with the hashtag bookies, hashtag bookies, just spelled like the podcast, B-O-O-K-I-E-S, you hashtag it, you share it, one lucky recipient um, of the uh, one person who shares this that this podcast with with his social medias will get a free copy of Mr. Cuddles signed with a little illustration 
as a, uh, a thank you. This is uh, a one-month uh, free giveaway kind of thing. Help spread the word about the podcast, and um, the the winner will get a, a, a nice uh, little Mr. Cuddles trade paperback with uh, a sketch. So uh, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. I know I enjoyed um, talking about A Wrinkle in Time. It's a great book. It deserves your attention. I didn't really have any dis- really big dislikes in the book, except for the they, they spend half or three quarters of the book developing the kids and a little bit with the, the witches and then bing bang boom you're done I thought they could have as an adult could have made there the, could have been another chapter there could have been a one or two more chapters to try and meld things together a little bit more uh, the you know like the the, the the planet that they were on with the uh, the tentacle armed people oh, I loved that that was awesome. And where they were trying, the, the, I had one little problem in there because I, I, I love the idea of the, the characters not having eyes. They saw through um, through thought or something like that. I don't know because they didn't elaborate. And it would have been nice if they would have. They didn't have vocal cords. They they, they talked through the no, the, like the, the, the hair, the, the tentacle the hair, the vibrations of the tentacles creating yeah. sound waves. Like, Ugh. and <laughs> I I thought it would have been interesting to uh, if they would have elaborated more on those characters and how they're fighting, right? And stuff. We'd like to see more. And yeah, the. Uh, when they're trying to describe light and dark to them, and they don't know what dark or light is, but at the same time they call it the it the black thing. Yeah. So is but they it, didn't have color. But they didn't they have. Because they can't see. But they could. Yeah. So everything, everything was, yeah. there was gray there. I loved that they had these amazing fragrant flowers. They were all gray because there's no point in having color because the creatures who live here can't see them. Well, maybe... I thought that was cool. Well, I thought the thing that, <laughs> that, that they saw them, everything was gray, but they saw them in color through however they see. They mm. probably saw colors in, 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 a, in a different perception. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought they could have elaborated on that particular portion and drawn it out a little bit longer. I, I had to not picture those creatures from Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, the, um, the Ood? Yes, the Ood. Oh, oh, God, <laughs> I, I, half the time we were, I was reading those sections, I'm trying not to picture the Ood, but I kept picturing just a little bit kinder, softer, more tentacled <laughs> Ood. <laughs> more, t- more tentacled. <laughs> more tentacled, because she wrapped them and with their furry. and stuff, and they're furry. <laughs> but, but in my brain, I kept not picturing the fur, because it's, I kept picturing the Ood. <laughs> it's interesting, because what I actually pictured was something along the lines of, um, have you ever seen uh, Lilo and Stitch? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the High Command woman. From oh, okay. Days, except with, more, with actual tentacles, you know. Right, yeah. as, as far as the basic structure, with her being tall. And, that's kind of what I kind of pictured with oh, yeah. her, except with tentacles, you know. Okay. But... Except the ood. <laughs> now if I ever read the story again, I'm going to be thinking that. Like, <laughs> Sorry. 
to the planet that's, of the Ood. It's not even a pretty word, tentacle. I know, right? Like, it sounds pretty. And, Sorry. And, and the name that they gave her, uh, Ant Beast. Ant Beast, yeah. More condescending. Yeah. Well, for me, it was just anytime she wrapped her arm around her waist, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I could feel a tentacle on my wrist. Stop that! Stop that! <laughs> Except that you think of tentacles as being slimy and wet, but they're hairy, so they wouldn't be. So are they really? They're tall? warm and fuzzy. Or are they worse? Or, or are they more like an elephant's trunk? I'm thinking like frizzly now, like yeah, an yeah. element elephant's trunk, but you know, but furrier, furrier, a like mammoth a cat's trunk, tail, a mammoth trunk, a there cat's you go. tail, a cat's you know? tail. If it's more prehensile, yes. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Sorry, creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know. For me, there weren't any Ood or Lilo and Stitch or anything back when I was 10 years old and read it. So I just pictured them this certain way from the description, got a mental image of these tall, gray, furry things with tentacles. And uh, that's how I still see them. Well, that's Be- wonderful. Because, because <laughs> how, good for you. Because, <laughs> because how, how I see them, you know, makes more sense to me than these other things that other people have imagined. It just doesn't yeah. feel right. Yeah. Um, any weaknesses, anything you didn't uh, stick right with you? Not, not really. Um, the, the part of, of the story that is the I think the more worrisome part of the story is when the dad tessers them away and they pass through the black thing Mm -hmm. in their escape Mm -hmm. and that it uh almost kills Meg. It it damages her. It's, you know, Ant Beast and the others there on the planet save her life. They do what's necessary to heal her physically. But she still has some spiritual and emotional damage that is even bubbling to the surface. Yeah, she's lashing out at everybody. She's lash, lashing out at everyone. It's like, you know, Uber PMS, <laughs> right. you know, but it's not hormonal. I wonder how much of that was the situation and how much of that was the darkness. Well, a great portion of it was the the dark. She, she was she, in that near-frozen state because the darkness... You know, almost claimed her. Yeah. And so she's, you know, part of the healing process is her battling through that and coming to herself again. And she had that moment where she, it, she suddenly didn't, she felt at peace and didn't feel that. What was they actually say? Like, un, not indescribable, but um, like, un. But but it really wasn't until, you know, the three witches show up and, you know, even chide her for her behavior That's right. that, yeah. that she suddenly starts her to see. Her confused anger was gone and she felt, yeah. So she had these, you know, 
Now that the coldness that under Aunt Beast's ministrations had left her body had also left her mind. So it took a while, it took longer for her to be, for them to go, hey, you're not yourself. <laughs> you know, and have her cry and have this little tantrum, because she does, she has it out. She has a tantrum, she's crying, and finally she realizes. I haven't been myself. Yeah, and I have to be the one to go save my brother, and that's what snaps her out of it. Yeah. That she realizes she's the only one who can rescue her brother, but that that's that's still you know seeing her breakdown at this point. It's crucial to the story, but it's probably to me that was more disturbing to watch than their confrontations with it, with this big pulsing brain that can take you over. I found that less disturbing than. Than this child having this child's breakdown and stuff. Maybe because that's a little more real. Mm -hmm. You know, children can't express emotion as well. Well, not that all adults express emotion well, but you know, some rest of development. Right, but but when children have gone through something traumatic, they that's how they react. They lash out. They're not themselves. They scream. They cry. They blame everyone else, including themselves, and and. It affects them, it affects the people around them until they've worked through it. So maybe that's why it was more disturbing because that's a real, you know, Could real be. thing. Mm-hmm. And you had to watch your daughters go through that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sorry again for all my lashing out and crying when I was a teenager. <laughs> You're a <Uber> <laughs> I did have a roofing mess. It was bad. <laughs> I love you, Daddy. <laughs> I'm better now. <laughs> I feel better Lewis, anything? Um, um, I like forms? the uh, just just the pacing. Honestly, I like the content. The content of the book was like really cool, but the pacing just kind of threw me off at times. But again, this is very much a children's book, and children go from A to B to C, and they don't necessarily need all the yeah, explanation right. in the world. Um, like as an adult reader, I kind of want like an appendices section, you know, like like with Lord of the Rings, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, here's a little behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, just like just a, here's a, a Silmarillion in time, you know. I understand what a tesser can be, but yeah. how does the threefold space? Like, yeah, like what, what is what is the history of this new planet? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just just the just the pacing. It was just it was just different from a lot of the adult books that I read um, that I that I read, and of course it has to be. It's a kids' book, but I like it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I would say I have. I don't really have many complaints, really. I mean, it is like you guys said. It's a really great kids book, and even now as an adult, I reading it for the first time, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the like I, the only thing that I would like to have seen more of, and this was mentioned earlier with Brandon, was I would have liked the ending to not have been so abrupt, personally, because. Yeah, I know for the kids' point, everything's great. Like you guys were saying, everything's great. You know, mom and dad are back together because dad's back. And yay, you know, we can be a family again. But, you know, maybe even with the witches leaving, like they're like, we have to go stop halfway through we the sentence. We have to go do... Finish the sentence. <laughs> and then God. And you're like, go do what? Is that the next story? Is that the sequel? Are we going to find out what you guys are going to go do? Like, seriously, nope. you can't hang around for two more seconds to tell us what you're going to go do? 
you know, so, so I've read book two, and nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Again, with the no conclusion. Because <laughs> nope. like, if you're in such a hurry that you can't say goodbye or even finish the sentence, why pop in at all? Right. Right. you got shit to do. You have you know, so, you have to. We're glad you're home. Bye-bye. What if, what if that was on purpose? Like, what if that was written in there to kind of, like, teach kids that sometimes you don't get, like, an ending, per se? It's and possible. Because a lot of kids' books do teach, like, moral lessons and life lessons and that everything doesn't always have, like, a, a nice conclusion. I kind of read it as, like, oh, God, that's one of those things that's maybe going to be hard for a kid to grasp, but they got to learn it sometime. Well, so. obviously, I never learned that as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I never got this story as a kid. I never learned that lesson. Well, did you learn it now? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Would you like book two? It's good, but those characters aren't in it. <laughs> so, and it's not, and again, I understand the reasons why. I mean, I understand, you know... It is a kid's book, and, you know... I but let's not get too ageist, though, and yeah. just write this off as... I, I'm hearing, oh, yeah, but it is, it is a kid's book. It's, oh, it's still it, a darn good book. It's still a it's good a book. It's a good book, yeah. at whatever age you are. I'm not going to get mad at it because there are certain things I didn't care for. It, it, you know what I mean? It, yeah. was, it was a yeah. good enough book that even the few complaints I have, which aren't many... I'm one like it's okay. I don't care that you know. I'll never know what they're gonna go do. I'm okay with that, really. I mean, just yeah, I haven't read all five of the books, so I don't know if we meet them again. But we didn't see them in book two. So that so yeah. I mean, um, overall, I'd say my di- dislikes are greatly outnumbered by my what I liked about the book. One more thing, because the book is titled "The Wrinkle in Time." I didn't feel like too much time shenanigans actually happened. <laughs> there was a lot of, like, space shenanigans. Yes. And but, the, but it didn't seem like they were gone for very long. That is the, the time shenanigans? The the one time shenanigan they stated is, uh, if you guys wrap this up in the amount of time we think you t- did, we will arrive about five minutes before, before you leave. leave. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> and yeah. and when they get back, and the twins are like, "Hey, it's bedtime. What are you doing outside?" Oh, father! Yeah. You know, like <laughs> so. So there was a wrinkle in time, but there was much more wrinkles in space. Yes. Much more wrinkles. Um, before we wrap this up, because you would you would, briefly we mentioned the prison scene with them breaking dad out of prison. You had a reaction to that. Uh, the when they were. Breaking down. Yeah, we'll discuss that later. The darkness. Oh, no, I was talking about the brain. Oh, the brain. The brain. Yeah, yeah that's what I wanted yeah. to discuss later was the brain. The brain, I had issues. Yeah. It's creeping me out. Um, I although I, I, I felt bad for the dad because he's trapped in, literally in darkness. Mm-hmm. He can't see, he can't hear, he can't. And move. he's been trapped, he can't move. He's been trapped in this column where they can see in and he can't see out for however long. He has no idea. Yeah, it, it, you know, he's been missing for nine months yeah. Earth time, but, but they specify he's been there long enough for his beard to grow out and his hair to grow long to get him. Like yeah. but they do specify that time moves differently on, on Earth mm-hmm. than yeah. these other planets. Right. So, so yeah. So mm-hmm. for him, it could have been a couple years. Right. Mm. And I can't imagine. I mean, you know, the, the fact that he came out still mostly himself—that's great. You know, yeah. I, I thought one neat thing is uh, he's like, okay, we're home. First thing to do tomorrow is get a new pair of glasses. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's still gets me excited. He can't see when all the chakras are broken, so he can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I overall, I liked it. I would recommend this. It, oh it yeah, was, it was a good yeah. read. Yes. Um, it was. It was fun. I, I enjoyed it. If you were to give it a rating of one to five, what would you give it? Uh, I'd say four and a half. Like there's there's a couple of weaknesses in there. Um, we joked at home because there's a, a a Doctor Who story where a character blows up a spaceship with love, <laughs> and it's like, it's like we I beat it with love. Well, technically you beat it from a feedback with that. I beat it with love. Yes, you destroy it with love. <laughs> yes, so at the end, it's like <laughs> she beat it with love. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is love. Yeah. Okay, so now is the time. When we suggest books for the next podcast, the reaping, the reaping. Now is the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, before we jump to that, today. is there anything anyone wants to say last on a recall time? Sorry, I jumped again. Jump okay. Again. Well, maybe not. Is anyone? Anybody? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Okay. Now time for the reaping. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel inadequate. <laughs> okay. So oh, you are so on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, you want a friend tonight? Oh, <laughs> okay, so Brandon, what story are you putting forth? Um, I am putting forth Good Omens, written nice. by uh, Neil Gaiman and uh, Sir Terry Pratchett. Um, formerly of this podcast, we've read one of his books on this mm-hmm. podcast. It is. You're going to say formally of this pot, like he was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's in the first episode. You know. um, I thought he was going to say formally of this planet. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. tested away. Yeah. He tested away. Oh. Good kill everybody. He made us all sad now. I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home and cry. Um, it is uh, basically about. An, it, it's kind of dated. I think it's 96, 97, somewhere around there. I'd have to double check. Um, it's about an angel and a demon who come together to stop the apocalypse because they like the way things are. <laughs> so yeah, the end of the, it's time for the end of the world. The Antichrist has been born, but we really like the way things are. And you can really see the two different writer styles. The angel owns an eclectic bookstore, so you get some of that in every. Terry Pratchett, there's always this kind of ode to literature, this oh, ode yeah. to, you know, this love letter to something he's so passionate about. And you get that a little bit with the um, uh, angel. It, like I said, it's a l- little dated. There's a running gag in the book, which I absolutely love, where there's a spell, and most of it takes place in London, but apparently there's a spell in London that the d- evil one has placed. If you leave a cassette tape unattended in your car for more than two weeks, it turns into the best of Queen. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. So there's a lot of Queen references and stuff. Um, So yeah, good omens. It's it's a comedy kind of. (laughs) Kind of almost. It's a dark comedy. Bonnie. All right, so um, I had a lot of ideas for this week. I really mm. did. Um, I, I decided on one, though. So, okay, um, <laughs> it was an art decision. Do 
too many good books out there. Um, this one is called On a Pale Horse by Piers Anthony. I know I suggested Piers Anthony last month, but anyway, Piers Anthony, I like his stories. Um, this is my second favorite um, uh, incarnation of death. My first being obviously death in Discworld, yeah. but On a Pale Horse is the first of like a seven book series by Piers Anthony, his incarnations of immortality. All right, and the first one it, it, here, I'll just the jacket information. When Zane shot death, he learned too late that he would have to assume his place, speeding <laughs> over the world, riding his pale horse, and ending the lives of others. Sooner than he would have thought possible, Zane found himself being drawn to Satan's plot. Already the Prince of Evil was forging a trap in which Zane must act to destroy Luna, the woman he loved, unless he could discover the only way out. So it's it's very... It's different. It's fun. It's sci-fi. It's sort of our world, but not exactly. And you have, obviously, death and war and these characters. And each one of the books... De- in his incarnations of immortality, deals with specific ones. First one deals incarnations. Yes, yeah. that's why I said incarnations of immortality. Yeah, different. One. I read it. Um, I was reading it, so I wouldn't inf- pronounce it wrong. So hopefully, I did it right. Anyway, but the first one deals with death, and I mean, you meet some of the others, but then in other, the second one is is uh, time, and you know, there's a book on war, and there's a book, you know, fate, and they're all very interesting. And um, fun, and I've only read the first four, and I want to get all of them. But anyway, that's mine. Uh, yeah, I was. I had like four books I was going to do. That's the hardest part of this part. And <laughs> narrowing it down to one each. Podcast. Narrowing it down to one. Yeah, and talking so about the book you read is easy. Just I, figuring out the next one. Yeah, I decided to go with an author that I really wasn't familiar with very much. Because I, I read this book and I didn't realize that he had written Congo, The Great Train Robbery, and mm. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Mm. So my book is by Michael Crichton. Yes. And it is Eaters of the Dead. <clears throat> and you hear the title and you might think zombie. But it's not a zombie thing. It actually takes place... In uh, 922 A.D., where you have your main character is, uh, oh, what was his name again? He's a, he, he's a 10th century Muslim who travels with a group of Vikings to their settlement. Oh, and his name is Ahmad Ibn Fadlan, and so. It's his story with these Vikings. Is this what the Thirteenth Warrior? It's was? what the Thirteenth Warrior was writ- was pulled Based from. On. Yeah, yeah it, th- this book was originally written in 1976 and later was republished as the Thirteenth Warrior. Oh. Remind me to send you some links. They recently found some Muslim artifacts in a Viking yeah. grave. Well, the the interesting thing is, Crichton explains in in his appendix in the book that the <laughs> first three chapters of the book are pulled from an actual journal of, an, of, a, of a Muslim who traveled to Sweden with these. And then the rest of the book is loosely based on some other Norse writing, Beowulf, Beowulf yeah. and stuff like that. But 
I, I read this book many years ago, uh, just on a whim. My uncle gave it to me, and it was sitting there, and I was bored. And I was wa- reading this, and then uh, I rented a movie, 13th Warrior, and I thinking, wait a minute, I'm reading that. <laughs> so it, it's, it's not a long book. It's only 288 pages. But it's, uh, it, ha- it has a lot of history in it. Uh, on, if you look it up on Wikipedia, the genre is plausible historic uh, <laughs> novel. So it's, 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 yes, it's historic. It's fiction, but it could happen. Could have happened. So my, that's what mine is. Uh, Eaters of the Dead. Huh. I will recommend Thief of Always by Clive Barker. Oh, that's a good book. Okay. So this is a Clive Barker book, which I have read several of his. And his books for adults can be extremely adult at times. But actually, Thief of Always is a book that was written for young adults and um, it is a very well written book it's a young boy who is not happy with his home life and this little grim like creature appears and said well if you don't like it here come with me I'll show you a really great place to hang out and they go hang out and it's like every night is Halloween and dress up in costumes and go trick-or-treating and you know it's just having a wonderful time and meeting these other strange characters there's two or three of the characters are cats and uh, there's like a cook and a gardener and the guy who is their host and Of course, being Clive Barker, there is a very evil, sinister scenario going on behind the scenes that has to be defeated and overcome to put things right. But it's called Thief of Always, Clive Barker. Uh, My selection is... It's called A is for Alibi. It's part of the Alphabet series of Ooh. novels by Sue Grafton. I don't want to read this. Written in the 1980s. Um, it's very much a hard-boiled detective story, but it's written from a 32-year-old female perspective, mm-hmm. and she is like very independent. She's on her own. She's running her own business, and she doesn't use like... It's not a modern detective story. She doesn't use, like, the internet, you know. She doesn't do research online for stuff. She actually goes out and talks to people. She gets information from other people about what happens. Um, and basically, the what happens in the story is she is investigating the murder of a very prominent member of the town that she is in. Um, and in the process, she kind of... Um, she kind of discovers things about herself, her own kind of strengths and weaknesses. There's a little bit of like a, a romantic subplot in there that ends in a very interesting way. <laughs> um, the the funny thing about this book is that the author, Sue Grafton, kind of imagined it 
while like fantasizing about killing her then husband. She was like, <laughs> yeah, she. I guess it wasn't a very happy marriage. She was like, I wonder. <laughs> the rest of us can go home now. We found that's, the book. <laughs> that's kind of the 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 protogenesis of the story itself. And I just thought that was great. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've heard a In what way can I kill my husband? <laughs> of the alphabet books. Apparently, aren't these, like, only on G, and it's been no, 40 years? No, no, they've, they've gone... As far as, the last one that I saw was, like, up to, like, S and T. S&T. They might have even finished the series, but the thing is, like, it's, it's set in the 1980s, and the pace for the author, Grafton, is so... George R. R. Martin esque that it doesn't keep <laughs> up with the actual passage of time. So the books that come out are like ten years in the past, even if they just came out. Mm. It's just it's a very interesting way to do things, you know. Because <laughs> it's like it's modern mysteries, but it's really not that modern. That's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I actually brought the book that I'm recommending because I always try to describe the plot of the book, and I always end up failing horribly, because I can never... Anyway, but this is one I think most of us know, is The Count of Monte Cristo by my one of my favorite authors, Alexander Dumas, and, um, or as my uh, stepdad likes to say, his name is Dumbass, that's what my stepdad likes to say. Dumas. <laughs> it's pronounced Dumas. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he, he always says. And then if anyone ever calls someone that, he always says, actually, it's pronounced Dumas. He'll say that. So, okay, I'm actually going to read the back. Falsely accused of plotting the return of Napoleon, arrested on his wedding day, locked away in an island prison, and given up for dead, Edmund Dante survives his captivity and goes on to wreak havoc on his betrayers. Because following the myriad plot twists of the book contributes so much to the joy of reading The Count of Monte Cristo, it would be unfair to say anything more. (laughs) (laughs) And I have read it, and it is probably my favorite of his works. And one thing that I actually liked is on the inside cover, there's a quote by Robert Louis Stevenson saying, The early part of Monte Cristo, down to the finding of the treasure as a piece of perfect storytelling, I do not believe there's another volume extant where you can breathe the same unmingled atmosphere of romance. I saw the other day with envy an old and a very clever lady setting forth on a second or third voyage in Monte Cristo. So I think, considering I love Robert Louis Stevenson, the fact that he loves this book so much just makes it so much greater, to my, in my opinion. So I love it because it's one of the first revenge stories I actually read, you know, as a young woman, and I thought it was amazing, and, yeah, that's all I can say about that. Yeah, I don't know. There might have been one or two before, but, yeah, for the most part, there's, there's not many revenge-driven stories before that that I can think of. I like it because it's a revenge-driven plot, and you spend the entire book thinking, is he going to be able to pull this off? You know, mm-hmm. is he going to be able to come back and be like, ha-ha, I have defeated you, my enemies, so many years later when you didn't think I was going to come back, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I like it because, for me, it was a real page-turner. The first time I read it, I think at 13 or 14, maybe. Mm-hmm. So... I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I, I'm pretty sure anyone else 
I don't know if anyone else in this club has read it, but... I actually haven't. There's a, there's a lot of classics that I have not read. So. And that's probably the reason why I picked it, because I figured we haven't actually done a classic story. You know, we've done a lot of great books and a lot of, you know, sci-fi and fantasy and that stuff, but I, I felt it was time for a classic. <laughs> so, okay. Would you like to start Go back over the books? The books are, book, are Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Eaters of the Dead by Michael Crichton, Thief of Always by Clive Barker, A is for Alibi by Sue Grafton, On a Pale Horse by Piers Anthony, and The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Yeah, it's always a hard... <laughs> it's always a hard... just pick them all. <laughs> just pick them all. We've got two months. <laughs> you can do this. We do. We do. Today, we're implementing the Pokemon rule. We're going to read them all. <laughs> <laughs> I like this rule. <laughs> you may want to give me a few months. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going with uh, Eater of the Dead. Fine. I smell a tie. Six way tie. Read that one. We hadn't heard of that one. No, maybe heard the title. Have read other books by Dumas, but not that one. <laughs> Can't vote from. Uh, was that six way tie? No, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, actually, I was leaning towards Eaters of the Dead as well, so I'll go with that. Okay, Justin. Um. I was going to go with Chris Anthony. Okay. Me? Um, I was opting for Good Omens. <laughs> uh, I, too, will opt for Good Omens. I was going to vote for A's for Alibi. So we have a tie. What? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, we have a tie. Yeah, well, we tie between <laughs> Good Omens and Eaters of the Dead. Okay, so, so we will go around, and you must vote for one must of those. Vote for one of those two. Now, in, can we vote for the one we? Um, yeah, you can vote for the one that you already picked. Yeah. If if you were the one of the ones who picked it, yeah. Right. So eaters of the dead, for you must do. Yeah, eaters of the dead. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. So I, I have to vote. He, for, he's got to vote for good omens. I have yeah. to vote for good omens. I was in the same place. I couldn't vote for good omens. Right, because you picked it when yeah. you came up with it. Yeah. I'm still going to go with Good Omens myself, but... Yeah, I... Yeah. This is unfair, because I was going to pick Eaters of the Dead, and then we thought we another time for the same two books. <laughs> okay, How so what... We, okay, well, what I'll do in this case... What if we let the people who have come... who brought... Like... We're just let them vote for whichever book they want, like... And we'll just end up mean? switching so that he votes for... It won't no change status. anything. Well, we've, we've, I, I feel like... This is I, the first time we've had a tie twice. Well, last time, didn't we say we uh, have a different book ready yeah, I think in that's case we came up with this problem? That was just during the submission. The, like, in case two people... Like, in in case, case two people came... We're going to submit the same same okay. well, I feel like we've had a tie before. And I, and well, we I, did, I but we were able to resolve it by a second vote. Yeah, because we, didn't we all just go around and pick a different book? Yeah. Is that what we did? No, what we did is we picked between the two those books. Two. Those yeah. two. Oh, but okay. the one book ended up getting more votes. Oh, okay. But this time it's even it's again. So, hmm. so this is an interesting. <laughs> what a conundrum! Rocks, paper, scissors. Put it in a book. We have two months, but hmm. the readers don't. We just read yeah. both of them. 
So um, well, I think that's unfair to the people. <laughs> that is unfair yeah. to the people who are following us. But um, this is an interesting dile- uh, dilemma. <laughs> I don't know. How do you guys want to resolve this? Uh, death match? Death match. <laughs> cage match. <laughs> Um, first one to drop blood. To the pain. To the pain. I'm going to make an, Inconceivable. Uh, an executive decision and say we're going to go with good omens. Okay. Only on the basis of I know I have it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might have it too, actually. And uh, just, you know. Well, we could decide to do one this month and one next month and then that would be fair yeah, that, that would, would be fair because and they are both very popular among us so. right uh, so instead to, of to instead of instead of just saying oh we just pick one instead of voting say, we'll just next next month yeah. instead of us bringing one to the table we'll do the next of these two that okay. way it's fair that's for, I, 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 that. for me works for me too I was going to try and be nice and go for Eaters of the Dead just because we already read one of Brandon's <laughs> so I was trying to be nice like we haven't read one of the adjustments yet so but well, we can do that we can do that though so, we're going to read both of them? Yeah, we'll read both of them. Uh, good Omens and then... Um, Eaters of the Dead. Eaters so of the Dead. So, which one are we reading? So, we're reading Good Omens first. Good Omens first. Good Omens first. And then after the next one, we'll read Eaters of the Dead. Yes, Eaters that's the plan. Yeah. Okay. And then just next time we get together, we don't bring We don't bring something to submit. Good. Yeah. I don't have to think of anything. Yeah. <laughs> Good for me. Okay. Wow, that was painful. <laughs> and in the meantime, we'll figure out something else to do with the... Ties. Ties. Yeah. Ties. yeah. yeah. Maybe <laughs> we should... Draw from a hat. I know. Yeah, we could do that. Draw from a hat. And just put our yeah. hands in there. Scissors. And, oh, like put, like put them all in, and then we just pick one, and then that one gets chosen. Yeah. Okay. In the know. event of a tie. Yeah. Like well, yeah, in the event of a tie, right? Yeah. Write both of them down like five times. Yeah. So it's a real good mixture, and it's just just two pieces of paper in there. Yeah. Mix it up really well, and then have someone yeah. draw yeah. it out. Or we could take. The six titles. Everybody's bringing a submission. Everything goes in the hat. So one is one. We could do it that way. Here's the book. We've mostly we'll voted well, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for now, this time around we'll do this good omens, and next time around Peter's the dead. Okay. And good. then after that we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, next time, uh, see uh, good omens followed by Eaters of the Dead. So there you have it. The uh, fourth episode of the Bookies podcast is in the can. We're all wrapped up. Uh, You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Next month, we are uh, discussing and reading Good Omens by uh, uh, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. This was a really fun book. Uh, It's also a fairly hefty book. So uh, if you want to... Uh, Join us next month at the first uh, for Good Omens. I recommend you you get on it. It's a fun read. It's a good book. Uh, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, probably at their best. And uh, really fun read. So uh, thank you and um, see you next month. Don't take my word on it. I think that might be copyrighted. I don't think I should end podcasts <laughs> with reading Rainbow's catchphrase. All right. I'll figure something else out to end these on. All right. Have a good one.